God, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you that you saw fit in your great wisdom and providence to reach down and condescend to us who have finite minds and are limited as creatures to, to reveal yourself to us that we, in, in a way that is objective, that we can point to, that we can wrestle with um, through, through your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that operates through your word and that you um, are transforming us day by day, grace by grace, from one glory to another, as Paul says, um, in, in, a, in a way that, that we don't completely understand, but you've, you've told us that you do that by illuminating and applying your word to our circumstances, to our um, uh, troubles, to our sin, uh, so that we are transformed and, and are learning wisdom through the application of your word. And we, we want to be students of it. We want to, um, to know what it says, to uh, have our emotions shaped by what it says, because you've redeemed the whole man, not just our minds, but our hearts, our soul, and our strength. And so we, we pray that you continue to do that, um, in, in part by means of what we study here on Sunday morning, but through other means as well throughout the week, our, our, our times together and study uh, during the week. And, and our interactions with each other. So we just pray for your grace to continue to flow this morning uh, for the glory of Christ. Amen. All right, we are, we, we are in Exodus 17. Exodus 17. And we are looking at this morning the fourth and so far the most severe test for the people of Israel in the wilderness as they are marching toward Canaan. Uh, they've been delivered from the slavery of Egypt. They have been uh, uh, saved now and, and, and provided for now three other times with, with uh, manna and quail and water. And so uh, here we are coming up on the fourth test for them. And what, what is intended by all these, well, what is intended by these tests? What is God doing uh, with, with these things that we've seen so far? What is he testing? Their belief, their faith. Their faith. When we say faith, what do we mean? In in God, trusting him, right? Uh, We talked uh, before about the definition of faith. We we had in the other class that sink. I don't know if some of you may remember that, the sink that that made that weird sound every now and then. (laughs) We called it Mufaucet. And it it was the weird sink. We would, yes. Thank you. And so I'd be by the sink, and then we'd hear this, and, and if I believe that Mufasa is possessed, I trust that that's true, I act upon it by moving the podium away from Mufasa. And so that is an act of faith to move. Anyway, so God is testing them. Do they trust him? Is he enough? Um, What's been happening that we've seen is that what God intends to to test them and and to show them the the beauty and the the fruit of obedience and and, and that he is enough, they've flipped around every time to test God, to put him on trial. And you see that real clearly here. Let's look at Exodus 17, 1 through 7. 
all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? All right. Who's directing them to go stage by stage here? Who's directing this? What does the text say? According to the commandment of the Lord. According to the Lord, Lord, uh, literally by the mouth of Yahweh. So we have God directing them from one oasis to another, to another, to another. We don't know how long this is, but, but they come to this one place, and what's the problem? No water. No Hadn't they dealt with this before? Bitter water. What's the, dis- what's the difference here? There isn't even bitter water. There isn't even bitter water. There's no water. So at least with the bitter water, we have something to work with. Now there's no... Did you catch that water? Uh, even with the bitter water, there was something to work with. Here, there's nothing. For God to provide, He has to create water out of nothing. And that's just kind of a big task for God to do. He hadn't done that before. Um, so here we go. There, the, in Merah, they had water, but it, was, uh, but it was made sweet. It was bitter, but it made sweet. And here, you have no water, and it, it must come out of nothing. So what's the response of the people to this? There's no water here. We're entitled to water. Give it to us. We're entitled to water. They pull out their... Never mind. <laughs> they're stressed out and anxious and that's a bad thing why shows a lack of trust they're being tested here no water and how do they show they're being stressed out and anxious how do we know that what does it say okay what is, what is the word used? They did what with Moses? They did what to Moses? They what? Grumbled? Quarreled. <clears throat> it's a little bit more intense here, right, than, than the previous murmur, murmur, murmur. This is, this is a little bit more intense. They quarrel with him. That word means to strive. It, it, it increases a level of hostility toward Moses. And they give him a stark demand, these people. They... they um, Occupy Horeb just invades uh, uh, Moses' uh, tent there and says, Give us water to drink. Now, have we seen Moses uh, 
Have we seen Moses' response before here? Right. Yeah. He goes to the Lord. There, there is a there's in the previous grumbling, especially in sixteen seven, um, with with the previous uh, testing. Here, here we have again a strong reaction by Moses. But is this, is this um. Well, we we talked about what, what's driving the hostility is a lack of faith, lack of trust. God can't bring water out of nothing, and and. What does the language show about the demeanor of the people here? What, what do you see in verse 3? It says, why do we leave Egypt? What, is, what does it show? Maybe they're angry. They're angry? It's the same complaint they, they give this time. Why did you bring here to die? Yeah. There's why did you bother delivering us just to kill us? Yeah, they don't see oh, God. They don't see God in, this, in the short term or the long term. Yeah. Self-centered. Okay. Is this? They're ready to go back to bondage. The, because it's, it was easier. At least we had you know, three three squares and a cot, right? Um, so what what is this this language? Well, the, the self-centeredness too. You have in the in the in the language. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? And it literally says to kill me, and my children. And my livestock. It's in the singular. Most translations have it in the plural because it, it makes sense linguistically. But in the original language, it, it's in the singular. And the idea here is that it's very much individual self-centered complaints. This is, um, there, there is um, an idea that, that these are, everybody's saying the same thing, but they're doing it at different times. But this is collectively what they're all doing. Yeah. Also, their livestock, wasn't that part of a plunder that they took from the Egyptians? Like it's what? not even their livestock. It wasn't even there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, a, a lot of it wasn't. I, we assume that they had some. But yes, it's part of their plunder that God gave them. <laughs> Think of that in your mind if you can. That's very weird. Okay, so so we have this language of them that is reflecting their 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 self centeredness, their their um, fear and distrust of God. And, and, and apparently it's pretty severe. What, is, what does Moses say in verse 4? What am I to do with these people? What am I to do with these people? Where does he feel the hostility has risen to? Killing him. Stoning him. Is he being melodramatic here? Is this some kind of hyperbole? I don't think so. Oh, they're going to. There's no way of knowing. Could be. What would you say? It's hyperbole in half. Hyperbole in half. Um. I don't think it is. I, I think that he is facing a clear and present danger here. I mean, he, he, they're, they're ready to kill him over this, this water thing. And, but what's his response? Where does he go? He immediately goes to the Lord. He goes to the Lord in prayer. What does it tell you about Moses? Does he try to finesse his way out of it? Try to negotiate with the people? And so what and he does, he has no one else to go to, and so he is trusting God for himself. It shows his character as a pastor. Mm-hmm. That he cares for these people no matter how they're treating him. Shows how his character also reflects the character of God. And yet the people obviously have never got 
never understood the character of Moses or the Lord. Yeah, they, they, they still don't trust either one of them. And, that, and that's what Moses says, right? Why are you testing the Lord? Yeah. Not why are you trying me? Why are you putting me on trial? It's the same thing that he's told before. It's like whenever they test him, they're testing the Lord because he's just the... And, we, and we've seen that, yeah, in the last one. So as the mediator between God and the children of Israel, he's demonstrating right trust, right obedience in, in trusting and depending upon God in the midst of their distrust. This time. This time. Good point. This time. We'll see later on. That, that may change. Um, so God speaks and everything changes. Verse 5. What three things does he tell Moses to do in verse 5? Okay, so get, take some elders. There's a take, elders. And what are they to be for? What, 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 they, what purpose do they serve? Take elders. Witness. They're witnesses. Okay. Pass on Pass on. It's still there. <laughs> it works wonderfully. All right. The, the, the plate that buffers the Morse code on the door. On the door. What's the other thing? Pass on, before them. Pass on before them. He used to go before them. Before them, okay. Um, he used to go before them in almost in the wilderness. They're 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 going. He used to he used to head out. What's he also? What, what's the third thing? Okay, so he used to take the staff, right? Yeah, struck the Nile. Okay, so he used to go before them. The leadership is supposed to go with him as a witness. So you have witnesses to what's going to happen. And he used to take the staff that he struck the Nile with. What is, what is this staff an instrument of? Striking the Nile is what? against Egypt. Judgment. Right? This is the instrument of judgment. The very rod, can't anticipate, the very rod that had struck the Nile to deprive Egypt of water in judgment now becomes a source of blessing of water for the people of Israel. Do you see that? Yes. Wouldn't you say it's still a rod of judgment to the rock? Why, yes. Okay. Yes, I would. <laughs> Is it still a rod of judgment to the rock? In what way, verse 6? Um, God says, I will stand before you there on a rock. So, essentially, he was the rock. Okay. Does Horeb sound familiar, that, that location? Do we, do we remember that from somewhere else? No. <laughs> That's not in Harry Potter. Did the staff choose him or did he choose the staff? Hmm. Deep questions, but not anywhere where we're going. Um, Horeb, where, where is that? Isn't that mentioned in the Gospels with Jesus or something? Uh, maybe. I'm, well, I mean, it's all it's small. It's and, and what is it, Exodus 3.1? That's what the Bible says. Thank you for that. Clarify. What is it in Exodus 3.1? The burning bush. The burning bush. So they're going to the place. 
where God first revealed himself, right? And how does he say, how does God say, go to the rock at Horeb? Does he know where that is? He's familiar with this area? Um, what else is Horeb another name for? At least the region of. It's an alternate name for. Oh, not this, not this time. That that this time I have to say is the wrong answer in Sunday school. But Jesus is always. Well. Yeah. When are we going to animism here or whatever it is? The never mind. Um, what what is what is Horeb? It's a, it's a name for Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai or the region of Sinai. Okay. In this case, having a study Bible was helpful. Um, what, what, what happens at Sinai? Huh? The law is given. And that's where they're headed, right? Mount Sinai. Come to the rock at Horeb. This is the region. Have they been given the law yet? Yes. Well, no. has, it been has, has a covenant no. law been given yet? No. Where does God place himself for this miracle? Where is he? He's standing on the rock. And we don't know really what uh, some commentators have debated how this happened, whether it was a theophany or just figuratively by some kind of thing. I don't know. But for some, the cloud descend on the rock and he's standing there. We, We don't know. But he's standing there in front of the leaders those with authority over the people, right? And he's standing there at the rock after having been accused by the people. And it says in verse 7, is God among us or not? What does that look like to you? I think it was a pillar of smoke. Cloud. I don't know. We're not, we're not given... I have my thoughts, but when Jacob used the rock as a pillar. Pillar. <laughs> That's Southern Arkansas. There, I'm telling you. Um, what? What does that look like? The accused is standing before witnesses. A courtroom, right? Jesus. Uh, God is. Standing in trial in front of them. He's been accused of what? Of unfaithfulness. Of lacking goodness because that God would bring him out there to die. That he would somehow. It's a pretty malicious thing to say, isn't it? Right. All of this is so you will know that I am the Lord. So that you will know, so God reveals his character and who he is. 
And that's exactly what they're questioning here. They're maligning God with an impure motive for saving them. Right? Um, he presents himself in a very unique way in response to the complaint. Is he with us or not? God, the accused, <laughs> offers himself to stand before the people in judgment by their accusation. And, and the thing that what strikes me about this is that he's doing it in the place where he's about to give them the law that they're not going to be able to fulfill. And yet he's standing at trial before them. They're wrongfully uh, accusing him of abandoning them, right? Of being fickle, of being unfaithful. So, so what happens? Does God make a case? Look at what all I've done. Look at everything that I have done for you. Why would you ever accuse me of that? What, what happens there? Strike the rock. Like struck the Nile. Which it would be an act of judgment, right? So the rock takes the blow of judgment and what comes out? Water. Well, I'm making the, uh, the distinction of the Nile versus this rock because the Nile was like their god and right. they struck the Nile it, just, it was just useless useless water. water coming from the Nile here it's living water it's refreshing water more than enough for them to have more than enough for them to drink and he um, answers the question is he among us or not but not by saying yes but by demonstrating, he'll take judgment. Here's the water. Does that sound familiar? Jesus on the cross. What does Moses name this place? He has a habit of doing this in true, true Hebrew format. He names the place. What does he name it? Testing and quarreling. Testing and quarreling. Kind of appropriate. Why would he bother to name this place? An Ebenezer meaning what? Define Ebenezer. A stone of remembrance. What are they not to forget? God's faithfulness. The, 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 the provision that he makes for them at cost to his own. Uh, well, it's a shameful thing to be struck with judgment, isn't it? And yet he takes it. And they're to remember their testing and quarreling because that's named it next. Right. Right. Go ahead. This is, I can't help but put myself in their shoes and think about what I would be thinking. And that is that, God, you made me this way. You made me to need to drink water every day. Mm -hmm. And now you've brought us to this place. Obviously, you have brought us to this place. And yet, you haven't given us any water. What's, what's going on? I would be doubting the same way. Like, you know, there is no water here. Mm -hmm. Our resources are running out. Mm -hmm. 
you have designed me and caused me to need water, mm -hmm. and you haven't provided. You said you were going to provide. Where are you? Mm -hmm. That's what I'd be thinking. And yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's the way that they quarreled against Moses. It would have been fine if you said, God, we need water. Where are you? And asked him for it. But yeah. And, and Moses does that, doesn't he, when he prays? I, I need deliverance from these people picking up rocks. Where are you? That's a trusting prayer versus you're evil. You brought us out here to die, my kids and, and, the, and the cows that you gave me. And, and very much cattle. And they weren't holding on to his promise before. Had he not taken them from oasis to oasis to oasis to oasis to oasis, and now stage by stage it says, and now brought them here to the oasis. To, Yes. Don't don't. <laughs> Not youth group. Um, I think it's. I, I give you the same thing. Mm. So we don't remember that God is good always, even when our circumstances aren't good. Mm -hmm. That God's goodness doesn't change. Nothing has changed about Him. Our perspective sometimes changes, and mm -hmm. our lack of trust changes. Trust him even, even when our circumstances aren't good, we usually can see his yeah. goodness even in those hard times. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of the parts of the talk that Johnny Erickson Tata gave this past weekend on a. She's been in the chair, what, 48 years? 46. 46 years? And yet wouldn't trade it because of what it has shown her about the goodness and. And not to say that hadn't been hard. I mean, I can't even imagine. But to come out of that with that kind of heart for and trust in the goodness and character of God, I'm, I'm with you. I would be saying, where are you? Um, I'm thirsty. And she was at a point early on where she was like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's normal for all Sure. It's healthy. It's healthy to a point to, to do that, and and certainly she moved. Well, she goes through cycles. I'm sure, just like everybody, of another day where I can't do anything for myself. But that's dependence, and that's what we have here. They have no water, nothing. That's dependence. Um. And yet he provides abundantly. He provides more water than needed for these thirsty pe uh, people, and he provides himself to receive the blow of judgment for their blessing. Turn to 1 Corinthians 10. Kevin, one other kind of bigger picture, the physical kind of picture of this or whatever is, you're talking about cycles that we go through as people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we come to the understanding of God, and we love God, and we're close to him, we're on a mountaintop, and then we cycle down into the valley, and we're away from him, and we hate him, and we're, un you know, all of a sudden, well, you know, God, with the burning bush, told Moses this, and they cycled through physically in space-time and went mm -hmm. around, and now they're back here again, mm -hmm. God providing for them again, showing their faithfulness. Then they're going to cycle back around out in the desert, mm -hmm. in the wilderness of sin, mm -hmm. and they're going to come back, and God is later on is going to give them the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. So it's a physical picture of the cycle of the human heart. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the commandments are given after this picture. 
the commandments are given after um, Passover. They're given after uh, the unleavened bread. They're given after Sabbath rest. Um, and they're given after this clear picture of what we see in 1 Corinthians uh, 10. And I'm just going to read 1 through, 1 through 4, although 1 through 13 is the, is the full section just for, for the sake of time. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. What's the benefit of being in a, under a cloud in the, in the middle of the desert? Shade. Is that a comforting thing? Is that a helpful thing? And all pass through the sea. What's the benefit of passing through the sea? Makes it easier to fish, I guess. What's the benefit? What was going on there? They're getting chased to be hunted down like dogs by an army. And God saves them by opening up the sea. They pass through it and then swallowing the army with the sea. Uh, and all were baptized into Moses and the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. What's he talking about there? Manna. What is it? Manna. And all drank the same spiritual drink. What are we talking about there? The water here, right? Mara and, and here. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. Who's the rock? Jesus. That, that, that is the correct answer in Sunday school. Um, and the rock was Christ. The rock was Christ. Emmanuel. Is God with us or not? Yes. Emmanuel, God with us. It's the answer to the question. The rock, Christ, was struck. Zechariah 13.7 says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. And Jesus refers to that prophecy to himself, he, of course, because all along the prophets speak of him. In Mark 14, 27, he says, Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Isaiah 53, we considered him stricken of God. The language of striking used to refer to the rock that was Christ. The blow of the instrument of judgment meant for us those who stand guilty for our faithlessness, though we accuse God of unfaithfulness, that blow of judgment meant for us is borne by Jesus, who is pure, blameless, and undefiled. John 7 Verse 37. On the last day of the feast, what feast? What are we talking about? What was the Feast of Booths about? Remembering the time in the wilderness. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, 
As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now we get a commentary by the writer. This he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Notice it doesn't limit it to special people. All of those who believed in him were to receive. Just a little nod to that. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He takes the blow, and out of him flows water. The Spirit, everlasting water. The Spirit comes to us, lives in us, strengthening our faith, transforming us day by day from glory to glory, as Paul says, in faith, to trust him, to be obedient to him. So the question comes, have you drunk from the water provided by the wounds he bore? Yeah. Um, in First Thessalonians, it talks about how somebody knows that they're saved, and it says that the word comes to you with, uh, with power mm -hmm. and abides and remains. Mm -hmm. Well, God, through, through his word, with this living water in the desert to these people, has showed himself again and again and again. He's been giving his word. Mm -hmm. He's been showing and demonstrating his faithfulness. And they still don't believe it has not come to them in, in power. It has not transformed them. Yeah. They continually grumble. Yeah. And it you know it does not abide. So they don't go into the into the promised land. Yeah. And in fact, in First Corinthians ten, Paul goes on to say these guys drop dead right. in the wilderness. Right. Don't be like them, Corinthian church. Right. <laughs> don't be like what them. What a thankfulness that should give us that God mm -hmm. continues to work with us. Mm -hmm. Because the water is, is the spirit that is everlasting in us, bringing us back to um, repentance, the, the gift that is repentance. I, I'm, I know we're short on time. I wanted to read really quickly um, Psalm 95 kind of stood out to me with this. Just let the, let the psalmist close us out here. 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into a, his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore 
I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Testing, trials, it's a, it's a movement by God not to um, be a killjoy to us, not to be a downer to us, but to train us to rest in Him. And the rest is Christ. We see in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews uses this passage, they shall not enter my rest, to point to the rest that is in Jesus. Drink of me, Christ says, and you will never thirst again. All right, any questions, any comments? Because it's 10.05. I will. Is that, uh, in, I think it was 1 Corinthians that we read. Mm-hmm. about Jesus was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but also evidence of his preeminence. I mean, that he was there before. Yeah, the I, I think so. I think so. It, the, uh, I think a lot of the theoph- well, I would argue that all the theophanies of, of God in the Old Testament are Christ, pre-emin- uh, uh, pre-incarnation Christ. Others would disagree, but, but I, I tend to think that that's the case. Yeah? This is a very sobering thought to me because, you know, I think we have the tendency to say, well, grace, um, I was saved, I said the prayer, you know, the prayer or mm-hmm. whatever. Therefore, I'm saved. I don't need to really do any more work. You know, I'm just kind of settling into my Christianese life or whatever. Yeah, let go, let go. These people, yeah, yeah. These people, they're like, we're we're, um, Abraham's descendants. You know, we are, we don't have anything to worry about, all this, you know. But every single day we have to fight for the faith. Mm -hmm. We have to to seek faithfulness in him and Mm -hmm. get inundated with his word and be renewed and be washed every single day. And if we don't, we slip. Because every day we wake up and we're sinful all over again. According to Psalm 95, what is the antidote to uh, a people who go astray in their heart? What's the antidote to that? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And isn't that what Paul talks about? Again, we see this. I feel like a broken record in this class sometimes. Because this is this is just where the text keeps That's going back to. This. Well, and it needs to. I was going to say, what is he doing with Mount Sinai to... The law, right, um, to to be a picture of what obedience looks like, and reflects his character. You know, the, that's the point of law. But again, you see it in Romans one. What's the distinction between a believer and unbeliever? Is that they denied God exists and and they were unthankful. So the antidote to a wandering heart, of a, a reprobate heart, is thankfulness. Not thankfulness that he is and that he's good. Not that these things are done to us. As a malevolent, is he with us? Is he among us? Kind of thing. And Ebenezer to remind them to be thankful. Right, right. Those things will bring delight and joy. Yeah, yeah. Tammy asked me a question this morning. It's kind of, she, she said, "Do you think what? What is this? The rock followed them." And I, and I, I, I think the the answer there is Paul's using it metaphorically that the the rock is synonymous with. God. I mean, the um, all throughout the Old Testament is called God our rock. You see it in Psalm 95. But to remember that the rock is something solid, something objective, something you can point to as an Ebenezer. Um, 
That's God. That's a picture that he takes on for himself, to, to, for us, to see, to, so that we can trust him, that he's, that he's um, solid. Okay, I'm, I'm now violating my own commandment to myself this morning. It is now 10-10. <laughs> so let's pray. <coughs> One more. Yes. Um, there is a woman that we should pray for. Her name is Kathy. Um, she grew up in church. Anyway, she's going to church this morning with her brother out in California, and they asked if we would pray because MacArthur this morning, in particular at church, is talking about um, those who grew up in the church and think they have a faith, but it's all because mom and dad did. So yeah. it's like perfect. And they didn't even know that was the way it was going to be. So. It's interesting how that works out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all random. Um, of course. So, um, and, and another person that we need to pray for uh, in our own body is, is uh, Jim Miller. I just want, um, want us to remember him um, after the, the death of his wife, Shirley. So, um, anyway, I'll pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we can trust you, that you are our rock. And then out of the rock that was Christ flows the spirit, the living water that draws us closer and closer to the beauty of Christ and that we want to be made like him and we know that that's the end goal because you tell us that that's the end goal to that we will be made like him for we'll see him as he is as first John tells us God I just pray for these two situations with Kathy in California and and, and here in our own body Jim uh, after the death of, of Shirley uh, I just pray that your spirit the living water that flows from Christ would cover them one hopefully to repentance the other to a comfort and stronger trust in you through an incredible testing. I, I thank you for Jim and the testimony he's been to me of what a real man looks like in the body of Christ and how faithful he's been with Miss Shirley and through her illness and taking care of her and loving her and serving her even when she didn't at the end really, really know who he was. God, make us faithful. Let us demonstrate in our relationships your faithfulness to us like Jim has. I pray that you bless him today. I pray that you surround him with the body of Christ and and bear him up under this great sorrow. I pray that we weep with those who weep today and that we rejoice with Miss Shirley today. God, I thank you for this class. I thank you for the work that you're doing in their hearts. And I pray that you continue to draw each of us closer to Christ, to love him more deeply, to prefer him as preeminent over all things, and that we would not be prone to wander as we so often are. Make us thankful for your goodness and your grace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.